there was a great study in Finland, which showed that I think for every one euro that was invested in cycling, three euros would come back. I'm Jessica Jones-Langley, and this is 15 Minute Cities. The concept of 15-minute cities simply means neighbourhoods or cities where people can get to everything they need, all within a 15-minute walk or bike ride from their homes. And this idea is to reduce the need for cars. Cars can have a real environmental impact, and they're also really expensive. So to make it easier and more convenient to get around, this idea of 15-minute cities can help cities and local government with things like reducing traffic congestion, air pollution, carbon emissions and help promote cycling and walking and exercise. And it's a more affordable transport method. So how do you do that? Well, to reduce car trips, you need an alternative that's cheap, accessible, and fun. And one mode of transport is walking. But today we're talking about something that's also cheap, accessible, and in my opinion, fun. And it's also more sustainable than having a car. And that is cycling. But getting people on bikes is not easy. So how do you do it? I'm really excited to share with you the highlights of the conversation that I had with Philippa Merrill. Philippa is a policy and development director at ECF. The European Cyclist Federation is Europe's pro-cycling civil society federation, and they have members in over 40 countries around Europe. As Philip explained to me, ECF's mission is to influence policies at the EU level to improve cycling through funding for cycle infrastructure and programs and different policies that can really encourage more people to ride bikes. So he is the person that knows how to get more people cycling. In this episode, I speak with him about cycling in cities and what comes first. Is it the cyclist or is it the bike lane? Thank you so much, Philip, for sitting down with me. So I'm really curious to pick your brain about cycling in Europe. I'll start off with a really easy question. What is the status of cycling in Europe today? I think some really interesting changes are starting to settle in. I mean, 10 years ago, for sure, even five years ago, car driving wasn't something that was questioned by a huge percentage of the population, even by governments, you know, it was just something that was done. Okay, some cities tried to do things differently, but it was kind of treated in the ways like, well, this is how it is. And the catalyst of COVID lockdowns helped change some views. And what we're noticing is that quite a lot more cities are making financial investments in cycling. That's the crucial thing. Our cities have been built for cars, you know. So imagine if, when you go to the Netherlands and you think how great cycling is because there are these amazing cycle paths that are separated and you can go anywhere with a bike. So they've made cycling convenient and they've made it easy. They've made it attractive. They've made it pleasurable. Like rolling along on those bike paths, it's hard for anybody to go back from that. You realize, wow, this is how it is. That's how it is for cars everywhere in Europe. It's easy to roll, even if you're stuck in traffic. Still, the roads are big. They take you anywhere. They're predictable. The signage is all predictable. Like once you learn the rules of the road and how to drive, you can take your car anywhere. So there's, there's the convenience factor. We've all grown up into this culture needing a car. And it's really tough to break out of that, especially if where you live doesn't offer viable alternative options. If a city wants to become a cycling city, they, had, they need to have a good policy for cars as well. You need to have a plan for that because people aren't just going to make the switch at the snap of a finger. Some people will always need to be driving and cars have its place on the roads as well. But we just need to level the playing field, as we say at ECF, create a more equitable space for 
people so they can choose to walk safely, they can choose to bike safely or public transport safely and not always rely on a car. A lot of cities would naturally be discouraged whenever they visit Netherlands, for example, because they say, well, we can't have what the Dutch have. Look at these beautiful red separated cycle lanes that just never end. And look at these amazing parking garages. But what we tell cities as well can aspire to that, but please don't be put off. You have to start from somewhere, just like the Dutch did. It wasn't just a blink of an eye that led to all these great changes. They also did their fair share of temporary work starting from scratch. But by making these quick changes to the urban layout, it's a signal to the inhabitants, to people who are driving around, and especially people who want to cycle more and people who want to walk more, use public transport now, that things are changing, that you just can't. A city, what doesn't work is cities that spend a lot of money on communications campaigns, but make no changes to the road layout. So you can tell a city's inhabitants with fancy billboards and commercials or radio spot that they should cycle more and it's healthier and it's good for the environment. But if there's no space on the road, not even in the sense of temporary infrastructure, then people are not going to do it. Because one of the reasons people don't cycle is that they don't, you know, there's a perception that they don't feel safe while doing it, and that there's too much car traffic. So where do you start? So if we look at the UK, for example, cycling rates are really low in comparison to mainland Europe. Some cities and towns have less than 5% of people cycling to work. And most towns across Wales and England have rates of, you know, 1% to 2%. So even cities with the highest rates in the UK, so we take Oxford, for example, they have less of 20% of people commuting by bike. And if you look at mainland Europe, like Amsterdam and Copenhagen, Amsterdam has 35% of people cycling to work and Copenhagen has 62% of people cycling to work. So for cities uh, in places like the UK or even around Europe where there is really low cycling rates to begin with, where do you start? As a start, I think especially if a city is really beginning in its process to increase cycling. You know, by that I mean, you know, just really starting almost from scratch in terms of cycling infrastructure or thinking about what policies to encourage behavior change. For example, one way for a city to do that is to create financial incentives for people. So literally putting putting money in people's hands to buy e-bikes or normal bikes or cargo bikes or creating a policy to enable employers to reimburse employees to cycle to work instead of taking the car or taking public transport to work or how to design the right kind of cycling infrastructure for their city. There's a number of things a city can do. And one of those is to install, you know, is to do the tactical urbanism. Um, so installing temporary infrastructure just to get things rolling. So that means, for example, even using uh, paints to paint cycle lanes on a street. So allocating road space on a street for a cycle lane, turning some streets into streets where a bike has a priority over a car, or even just changing traffic patterns in a city, you know, for, for example, changing streets from bi-directional car traffic to unidirectional car traffic and letting bicycles take prominence on that street installing lots of bike parking around the city so people are seeing that okay i can put my bike here and there and there that's all just temporary stuff but it's a good way that cities can act quickly with the budgets they have available bike sharing is a great way to again encourage more more people to make what we argue is a more sustainable choice so bike sharing systems all across europe are used quite well they're quite popular i think they're a very good investment um, especially for people who are 
you know, making the switch and it's still early days and you want to, you know, before making an investment in a bicycle, you're not really sure, you try out the bike share. But even for people who, who cycle all the time, bike share can be really convenient because, for example, uh, let's say if you commute to a city by train and you know there's not space on the train for your bike and if there's good bike share where you live, you can use the bike share, go to the station, leave it there, hop on board the train, enjoy your journey arrive at your destination. If there's good bike share there, continue on your way. Um, that's what happens in the Netherlands, bike share. Um, so we think it, it's great. We love to see more of it. It's a good investment. So one of the things that I realized that people really struggle with when they're doing um, like these projects is just convincing the decision maker who's going to give them the funds. So could you speak to why do we need to increase cycling? Well, a number one reason to increase cycling from uh, a city's perspective is that a city gets gets back money for it. So there was a great study in Finland which saw that for every, um, I think for every one euro that was invested in cycling, three euros would come back in terms of um, yeah, increased economic activity, you know, which means, you know, if you have more cyclists on the road, they're generating more business activity by visiting more shops and they're contributing more to the economy, but you're also taking away the negative externalities that come with driving, you know, so less pollution, it's less costly for a city, um, less congestion, better health outcomes in general. People don't need to be going to the hospital so often, or they're not getting sick all the time because they're getting naturally their exercise just by cycling to go where they want to go. So it's a good investment, just straight off the bat. If a city wants to cut costs and make a higher return, they should cut out the most costly form of transport in their cities, which is car driving. That's hands down the most costly, takes up the most space, and not to mention the air pollution and the climate change and all of that other stuff. You know, that's all the ways in which a city is losing money. And you don't really see it from a city's perspective because we're stuck in the car mentality. But once you start building good bike infrastructure, you start to see those returns coming in. So that's really the bottom line in the end for why a city should spend on building cycle lanes. It's because you'll get that economic return relatively quickly. Paris has created a, a, a citywide cycling plan where they're devoting millions of euros to improving the cycle infrastructure. They removed space for cars, gave it to bicyclists. Um, also along the canal, they transformed a highway into really nice shared use pedestrian cyclist haven where people can enjoy themselves. Um, without needing to worry about car traffic. Um, so now they're changing the temporary lanes into permanent lanes. And countrywide, France has a national cycling plan where they're investing hundreds of millions of euros to build cycling all around the country. And obviously the Paris Summer Olympic Games are going to be a big moment where Paris can show how it's investing in sustainable zero emissions mobility. And we know that cycling is going to be a major part of that. And so these are many of the changes. And now, you know, anybody who goes to Paris will talk about the sense of cycling culture, how it's just appeared. And sometimes people will say, well, um, it's amazing, all these cyclists. Other people will say, okay, there's too many now. It's getting a little crazy. <laughs> and these these are sort of like the birthing pains of of a city when it becomes transformed into a space for active mobility. Some things will go right, and then you'll discover people are using it, and that will put pressure on the existing system, so you need to improve. 
create more space for cyclists and for pedestrians, take more away from cars. Um, also on the point about cars, we know that the city has been removing car parking spaces, for example, uh, in Paris, and have been creating other sort of incentives for people to make the switch from car journeys to, to more bike journeys. There are a number of things that are happening on all the policies where cycling is being taken more seriously. And the European Parliament adopted a really historic resolution calling for an EU cycling strategy. So it's the first time we have something like that from the European Parliament or any EU institution, which calls for um, a strategy that doubles um, the number of kilometers of people who cycle in Europe to 312 billion every year by the year 2030, calls for 20 billion euros more investment in cycling infrastructure, um, calls for the building of 100,000 kilometers of new bike infrastructure in cities around Europe. In addition to that, individual European countries are coming together in a coalition on their own cycling declaration, which they call a European cycling declaration, in which they're making the same calls, a European cycling strategy making more investments. So a few years ago, this was just moot point because cycling wasn't considered serious enough, but that's changed. And so we're really optimistic about that. So I would say, you know, 10 to 15 years, we expect to see cycling, the share of cycling to really grow in cities, to see a lot of changes to urban layout. In 20 years, we think quite a lot of cities will hopefully start to look like Paris making those transformations. And that will have hopefully lots of good effects for, for Europe as a whole in terms of, you know, cleaner air, achieving our carbon emissions reduction goals and all the rest of it, but just more pleasant cities to live in all around Europe. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation that I had with Philip. I was genuinely sad that I couldn't fit everything into the two-minute episode. But if you're interested in bike sharing in your city or you want to encourage more cycling, I'm more than happy to share more of the conversation that I had with him and also pop you in touch with the right people at ECF. And I'm also happy to share the insights from 15 who support this podcast. 15 supports cities of all sizes with bike sharing, including Paris, Marseille, Vancouver, Costa Rica, and even. And they've done some really, really cool things. For example, at Marseille, they've tripled their bike share trips in three months. It's insane. I can't wait to share that episode with you. So feel free to email me if you'd like some support with bike sharing or cycling, if you want to get in touch with Philip, and let me know what you think of the podcast as well. My email address is jessica at 15.eu. And lastly, a big thank you to today's speaker, Philip Amaral from ECF.